it's time to share your story. Welcome to Revealing Conversations with Patron Nicole. Heart-led discussions that reveal, release, and unveil. You will leave this hour lighter, brighter, and inspired. And now, here's Patron Nicole. Good morning and happy Tuesday, everyone. Well, I'm sitting here looking out to the lake this morning, thinking how lucky we all are to have this day. It is beautiful outside. I mean, it couldn't be a more beautiful, beautiful fall day today. I sat outside for a moment just taking in the sun rays and dreaming about life and all the blessings that are in my life right now. I have a very, very special guest today, and I will introduce her in just a moment, but I do want to tell you guys a story. Yesterday, I had to uh, take some professional pictures, and I didn't really know anybody here in Lake Oswego or Portland, so like everyone else, I just went online looking for someone on Google, and I found a photo studio called Prince Charming, and that is in Tigard, or it's on Boone Ferry Road. And I walked in there, and in the front of it, there were all these pictures of Sir Victor Hansen and Wayne Dyer and all of these extraordinary people that I've been studying with for years and years and years. And I walked inside, and the photographer ended up to be an author. He was talking about his book he's writing, and he told me that this morning he was, uh, yesterday morning he was taking pictures in Lake Oswego, and it happened to be right next door to us. We were looking out the window yesterday, wondering what was going on in the racket. And so here it was, serendipity. It is so extraordinary how sometimes in life you can be in the right moment or in the, at the right time in a place in space that is so fabulous that you're given so much information of where you need to go next because this person, not only was he an exquisite photographer, but he was also someone with extraordinary resources. And I followed my heart. And so I want to, my message here to you, the listener, is follow your heart always. When you're feeling to go in a certain direction, just Follow your, that, that deep feeling deep inside, a gut-level feeling. Follow it because it always tells you the truth. And so yesterday was magical for me, and the pictures turned out great. I'm, uh, I had to submit them to the Jack Canfield group uh, for a book that I'm co-authoring with Jack Canfield. And for those of you that don't know who Jack Canfield is, he wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And uh, I don't even know how many books are out right now of Chicken Soup for the Soul, but I think there are dozens. And I have the great pleasure of co-authoring and having a story in one of his books coming out in the next few months. So that's very, very exciting for me. But I would like to get on with our program and introduce you to a very dear friend. Uh, This is a lady who was introduced to us not so long ago, and we have had a lot of wonderful (laughs) gatherings together. 
and her name is Laurel Erica. And what Laurel does is she puts together words, uh, spins words, and it's called Word Magic. And she is the creator of Word Magic Global, a mind-bending, paradigm-shifting reintroduction to the English language that brings to light the hidden philosophy in puns and the symbols of the alphabet by revealing the secret spells of the English language with which we write our own life sentences and the sacred path words pointing toward our liberation. Laurel shows in verse and prose how we can collectively, creatively, and quite rapidly upgrade the English language to facilitate our essential evolution from humankind to human kindness. And this is this is what our politicians should be reading over and over and over, because they could really learn something from this. <laughs> so Laurel's word magic has a proven power to turn punters into pundits, audience members come away from one of her performances and presentations with a fun and easy way of playing with words that makes everyone smarter, wiser, kinder, more thoughtful, creative, and literate. Laurel also offers her verbal magic as a writer and editor and communications coach to clients worldwide. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Laurel Erica. Good morning, Laurel. Good morning, Hello. Petra. Hi. Hello, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that lovely introduction. When well, you you're spoke welcome. About- I'm, so, I'm so happy that you're here today. So let me ask you this, Laurel. How did word magic come about in your life? This is so such a fascinating subject to me as an author. You, you know, I love uh, hearing about this from you. Well, thank you very much. I just... Since you mentioned politicians, I wanted, um, I wonder if I could just start with a couple of things. One is um, we think that we have a democracy here, but what we actually have is a cacistocracy, and that's spelled K-A-K-I-S-tocracy, and it means ruled by the worst elements in society. So, oh, my goodness. Um, it's not a perfect description of what we're experiencing right now. And I also want to mention that people like George Orwell said that politics corrupts language and that language, once corrupted, has corrupting real-world influence. Mm-hmm. So the way word magic started is it started in my early childhood by my fascination with words that shared the same sound and different meanings. And the first word of that sort that I came upon was when I was two or three years old and a man delivering a sound system to my father said to me that when he opened the box, that had the sound system, a bat had flown out of it and landed in a tree in the backyard. So I ran outside. 
uh, over to the tree expecting to see a baseball bat hanging from it. And I, in my memory, that is my first uh, encounter with a word that has the same sound and what seems like completely unrelated meanings. And so I just, it, it, I was fascinated by it and fascinated by words at, uh, in general. Uh, thought I knew all the words in the English language by the time I was three or four and had been playing with words as my favorite plaything ever ever since that time. Oh, that is so fascinating. I, I just love it. So you thought a bat was a bat with which to play baseball or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you thought it was hanging from the tree. Oh, that is so, so great. You know, I still go through this occasionally as a foreigner because English is my second language. So occasionally I hear an English word and I think of something completely different than well, what the word I, means. I, I do that all the time. People talk about seeing double, but I've always had, I've always been hearing double. And so when one word is said, I hear the other words in it. And an example of that, I, I remember in English class hearing about demonstrative verbs. And I would hear monster in demonstrative. And I, I there's many, many examples of where I was hearing what was not really meant to be said, but what was also present. And I mm-hmm. just started collecting these words that 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 have, like we speak about trained thought, and I think about how our thoughts are trained by words and how our trains of thought can carry hidden cargo that may affect uh, our destination. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. So what were your earlier uh, discoveries? So so what was your childhood like? Like where did you grow up? And I mean, this is really um, uh, fabulous for a little two-year-old to actually become aware of this. Well, my, my awareness was blossoming. I, I really feel, Petra, that... Uh, this that what I started out doing in early childhood was a continuation of what I had begun in, or what I had been involved in in prior lifetimes, which I think is why I could have such a sense of uh, certainty that I knew all the words in the English language and the way the reason I think that it was a continuation from a past lifetime, one of the evidences I have of that is that in the nineties, and I will go back to your specific question about what my childhood was like, but just wanting to say that in the uh I guess the mid nineties, I, I wrote what I call my stereography and it's um sort of my metaphoric biography, and it's about an elemental being who goes through the looking glass into this dimension and has to deconstruct the language to find her way back home again. 
And when I was writing, I wanted a wish-granting ceremony because um, I don't often share this, but I feel myself to be a naturally ordained wish fairy. And I actually had an ordination, um, a spontaneous natural ordination in a park. But when I was writing, I wanted to create my own wish-granting poem and I wanted it to be like bippity boppity boo, but with all the syllables having meaning and not just uh, fun nonsense sounds. So the first two stanzas came out spontaneously, and I'd like to share them right now because it will help me make the point that I want to make in this moment. Oh, and I so, love it. So, I love it. Thank you. So those two stanzas are very quick, and it goes this way. With cryptic, cabalistic tricks, I fix elixirs that equips linguistic mixtures to transfix. As fertile verbal herbalist and hypnotist of gibberish, I stir within my crucible all elements reducible to simple symbols that eclipse the prospects for apocalypse. So when those words came out, I wondered what in the heck prospects for apocalypse were doing in my poem. I, I could see no relationship. And years later, I read that in the court of Queen Elizabeth I, the most learned man of influence was named John Dee. And there was the belief at the time that were that words, meter, rhyme, poetry, and music could be structured in such a way as to calm hostilities. And this little excerpt that I read uh, from a, a book by, I believe, uh, Anodia Judith, I think her name is, but it said that he was working, John Dee was working with a cabal of French and English poets to, in secret, to write this structured metered rhyming verse as a secret weapon to create world peace. So that's where Protestants mm -hmm. of Apocalypse came from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need that right now. <laughs> we We absolutely do. And when I discovered what I did, you, you referenced um, the secret spells of the English language. And if people want to go to my website, wordmagicglobal.com, on the first page is my most popular YouTube. And it's called The Secret Spells of the English Language. And it shares some of what I'm talking about, how Ordinary words that we use every day have, if you translate them, if you look at them on another level, they have a very dire meaning. Um, for instance, morning is both the time of day and it's a state of grief. So when we're saying to each other good morning, we're also saying good grief. And there's many words of that nature that I am convinced affect us subliminally. So what I came to conclude was that language is software and that English is the leading software of the Western mind. 
and that it's filled with cultural biases that are akin to computer viruses that infect our thinking with long-dead ideas, but that we can collectively, creatively upgrade the language to a higher frequency. So that's where my work took me, and, and it continues to evolve and expand. That is beautiful. So um, could this be something that could be taught uh, in, in um, I would imagine elementary school would be ideal to make it into a play accompanied by music with, the, with word magic. Like I see, I'm a visionary. I always see into the future. So what, what if a program uh, was uh, started uh, and we could, we could maybe get some grants for this? And I'm dreaming now with Laurel here for the listener who is just coming on the show right now. We're talking about word magic. Laurel, Erica on the air with me today. Um, I think we need school programs for work magic so that we can change the language. It's very sad to me. I lived in London for many years, and maybe uh, you can still hear my accent occasionally coming through. And while I was living in London, I had to learn Oxford English because I worked on Fleet Street for some high-powered attorneys, and it was uh, inappropriate to speak anything other than Oxford English. And then I came to the United States, and just by the accent and the way that my words were sounding out, it would influence my mood. Do you find that, Laurel, that when when you're speaking in a different tongue, like when I speak in German, it influences me by my vibration in my body because that's my mother tongue, but when I speak British English, it gives me a completely different sense of being than when I am speaking, uh, you know, like, I don't even, uh, I can't even think of it right now, just a regular sort of, you know, conversation that's going on with my neighbor or something. (laughs) It's a different feeling in my body even. So there's a vibration with each of of the words that you're speaking about, isn't there? Well, there really is, and and what you're introducing right now, because I'm unfortunately monolingual, I don't have another language, and I've lived uh, in the U.S. all my life with a few visits to other countries, but what you're sharing is fascinating to me, and I would like to hear more about it, but... I I couldn't respond from my own experience about how speaking differently alters how one feels. So I'd like mm-hmm. to hear more from you, either now or in conversation um, off the air. But that that's a fascinating element that you've just introduced. Uh, for example, what comes to mind here is. Uh, living in Ashland, Oregon and going to the Shakespeare Festival. Now, I'm not saying that I can understand everything in Shakespearean language, you know, because it, it really is, some of it is definitely over my head and I, don't, I can't sound out the words very well. But if I read uh, prior to going into the play, if I read the translation and I have the words uh, memorized slightly, in why do we feel so good when we hear Shakespearean English? Or why does that elevate us? 
those are well, the things I I find very fascinating. Well, I know that I I love watching, for instance, masterpiece theater presentations. There's the exquisite use of language is uplifting, and the correct use of it. And there's there's so much incorrect usage all, that that we hear all the time. Um, there's there's a whole lot to say about this, and I haven't organized my thoughts around it, but I can tell you Aristophanes, for instance, said that high thoughts must have high language. And there's a Japanese term that is kotodama, which means that every word has a spiritual interior and that it's important to honor the spiritual interior of a word. And we do, we, in a normal conversation, so many people are shooting off their mouths. That's one expression that we have. Speaking so casually and completely overlooking the fact that um, not only Genesis um, in the Western Bible says that it all begins with the word and that the word is the instrument of creation, but just about every culture says it all begins with the word. And in scriptures it says uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And um, they say, you know, scripture says, is it not written in your law, I have said ye are God's. So we are creating as we speak. And when we use a language that has been degenerated through misusage and that is used with a casualness that is not respecting the power of words and the beauty and refinement that's possible through words, it does have a sickening impact on us. Mhm. Mhm. Well, how does it how how does it go in the Bible? Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. Is that how it goes? Yes. Yes. The God and the Word. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't necessarily know what that word is, but you mentioned, but it, it's about sound and vibration. And on my website, Word Magic Global, under Vision, I have. Uh, a, a sub-page called Words on Words. And one of the quotes I have on that is from Wayne Dyer. And he says, sound is the intermediary between the abstract idea and the concrete form of the material world. Sounds literally mold the abstract world of thought and spirit into shapes. So mm. we are creating as we and a high use of language is uplifting. Mhm, mhm. So, so there are uh, lower frequency words. So there, are lo- there are words that we don't, we can't identify the fact that they have a lower vibration because we're so used to those words within the language that we use them on a regular basis, but they're actually yes. not really serving us. That's exactly right. And that's what I started discovering in in my exploration of words that I began at such an early age. And, and I found that when I was six, I was wondering, five or six, who said ABCD? 
And I, I remember an image in my mind of someone finding these letters along, along an ocean like seashells. But I knew that they didn't come that way, and I knew they didn't come, you know, carved on stone off Mount Olympus or Mount Sinai. I knew they had an origin, and I wondered, well, who said and what and, and who put them in this order? And these were questions that no one was asking. And I, I was filled with questions that no one was asking. And um, because I was so different from my family, I was not treated with very much love or kindness. So I, I grew up thinking that all of my foundational questions were stupid questions. And I had, um, what can I say, my childhood set me up for a lot of time alone, playing with words as a consolation, and then making some uh, extraordinary discoveries. For instance, the conclusion I drew that language is software and that it's filled with these double meanings, some of which are very um, disempowering and very negative, I, I, I came to the realization that this was software and we can upgrade it. And I subsequently learned that Confucius said that if given charge of the administration of a country, the first thing he would do would be to correct the language. And he talks about all the things that happen when language is not uh, correct. Um, he says things like, uh, if language is not correct, then what is said is not what is meant. And if what is said is not what is meant, what ought to be done remains undone. And if this remains undone, morals and arts deteriorate music and justice go astray, and people stand about in helpless confusion. So mm. it's such a description of our time, and, and politicians are constantly, politicians and, and corporations with advertisements are constantly um, twisting words, renaming words, and with the purpose of creating hypnosis. And, and gaining mm -hmm. consensus for ideas that we would never support if if they were spoken clearly. Mm -hmm. And then they use words to flash on the television with a picture attached to it. And if you see that same picture 30 or 40 times, it's becoming, it's, it's ingrained in your subconscious. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's and, how advertising works. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And here's a quote I found in a Science of Mind magazine in the late 90s that I think is quite wonderful. Um, this Reverend Glenn Hayden said, there are millions of tongues in the world given to useless, idle, and destructive gossip." If all this energy could be turned into a torrent of truth, all the sick would be healed. The kingdom of God would be established on earth, and the greatest era of peace, prosperity, and progress would be manifest that the world has ever known. And so this, 
takes me back to the recognition of how much power we have as speakers of the word and how creative we can become together by recognizing that language is software and we can take take our power back by creating new words and new metaphors and even new symbols and sharing them with each other and letting them spread around the world with, with this recognition that we can upgrade English to a higher frequency. And, and one of the YouTubes I have on my website, Word Magic Global, I can't remember which page it is on, but it's called Taking Command of the English Language, and it explains how we can accomplish this very thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I remember uh, in, a, in a more simplistic fashion when my son was little, you know, and he would say something out of the ordinary. <laughs> in uh, in Bambi, don't say anything. You know, it's like some of the rabbits. Uh, don't say anything at all if you don't have anything nice to say. So, yes. <laughs> but then the yes. question remains: What is the nice? What is what does the nice sound like? What what is the nice? And so you're you're making us aware and conscious of the fact that some words like awake uh, could be the rising in the morning, but it could also be a, a state of grief. So there are, uh, yeah. are there any other words that you have that you have uh, connected with uh, that you could share with us? Oh, of the negative sort. Um, uh, no, the, the positive or negative. <laughs> okay, well, a, a positive. Um, well, in terms of you, you talked about sharing word magic in the classroom. I've done uh, a bit of that uh, from about fourth grade on up to graduate school and uh, would be delighted to do more of that. And I, one of the sacred passwords that I found years and years ago was the word earth. And I realized, I remember where I was in the moment when I saw that um, the earth and heart are the same word. It's just where you put the letter H. And so I said to some young children, what do you suppose is the significance of earth and heart as the same word? And he said, maybe it means that the earth is the heart of the galaxy. And so that that kind of uh, entertaining, that kind of possibility has, in my mind, all sorts of ramifications. If, if we think of the earth as a sacred heart in the solar system or the galaxy, in the cosmos, then don't we desire to become more caretakers of it? And there's the word you know, in the Bible that we are, we are keepers of the earth, but to mean possessors, but caretakers and, and protectors, not possessors. So certainly um, that's a sacred password. And the fact that love, well, um, I love a quote by the French paleontologist Jesuit, priest of the uh, 20th century, K.R. de Chardin, 
who said that if there wasn't the impulse toward um, union between cells, that what we call love between humans couldn't exist. So that told me that love was the glue that holds all creation together, this impulse to, to unify. So I created a word for that, um, and, and that word is glucose, that which um, the sweet, empowering nutrient that nourishes ourselves and ourselves as glucose. So, in any case, there, there are there are many uh, beautiful words that really are uplifting, and and if you turn love around, you see that it's the beginning of the word evolve, which is exactly what Teilhard de Chardin was implying. That is amazing. That's so fascinating. So, uh, Laurel. So what was it like for you being so different as a little child, uh, playing with more word, word magic as a, uh, I would assume when you started speaking, did you speak in rhymes or did you have normal conversations or what was that like for you? Well, it's funny. I, I have um, a little poem uh, that starts out this way. It says, My tongue is naturally curly, so my words come out in rhyme. This started very early and still happens all the time. I've done my best to compensate, to speak in tiny rows of prose, but for my words to come out straight, my tongue would have to decompose. So that's that's, that's a bit of humor, but I... I started writing poems when I was seven, and I have to say my family was still ridiculing them when I was in my 40s. And I remember saying at a, at a dinner in my 40s when, when they, they were bringing up my seven-year-old rhymes and, and making fun of them, I said, you know, it occurred to me that probably hurt my feelings as a child. And my brother said, we didn't say anything as if, It could all disappear in that instant. So um, I had a a really dark time. There was, um, I grew up in a family of artists, uh, an extended family. My parents um, met in art school in Paris. My grandmother had taken her daughters to art school. And and so uh, both parents were artists, my grandmother, my aunt, uh, many artists in the family and uh, composers and and musicians. But um, the older generation was very insecure and, and in my experience felt threatened by the younger generation and therefore were not, uh, at least in my my immediate family, there was no support for my creative expression or my brothers, really, Um, and my sister went a whole other direction. So it was really, really dark. (laughs) And I, I... um, one of my many healers called it a schizophrenogenic childhood. And it drove me very deeply inward. And what came out of it was um, the discoveries that I continue to make about language because um, I was looking, there was such a, I don't know if I can, I guess I can say this, there was 
such a, a mind fuck going on that it, it led me to look at, at that very thing happening in the English language and to make um, the discoveries that I have and um, um, create this body of work that I call Word Magic. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it, that uh, our darkest moments in life growing up can drive us into real magic and discoveries where we have to just uh, dive, delve so deeply. And uh, the same thing happened in my life, as you know. I had to go within, and you suddenly had to go within, and you had to discover, you had to survive somehow. And yeah. I know uh, this energy of uh, growing up with artists myself, my grandfather and my best friend in Germany, is that sometimes with the art that's around us, with the older generation, uh, new things that are coming in are not necessarily accepted. Yes. And yes. and so, you know, it's it, there's a, there isn't a there isn't really any light given to it or, any, or some enthusiasm given toward it. or uh, in, It's not encouraged because it's new. It's like, you know, when rap music came on the scene and a lot of people were used to different kinds of music, and it took me a while when my son introduced rap music. I said, oh, my God, I don't know if I can handle this. But now there yeah. are some rap artists I actually enjoy them. I think it's an incredible art. And there are some people that are doing phenomenal work with word magic, with with rapping as well. Yeah. So maybe. Yes. Oh, I have a, I have an idea, Laurel. Maybe we should, we should become uh-huh. rappers and learn your word art through rapping in a different way. <laughs> well, mine is kind of a metaphysical rap, and it has its it has its own um, rhythm and rhyme. And and yes, I mean I I so appreciate how young people recognize the power and, uh, of words and admire uh, verbal gymnastics. And as long as, for me, it needs to be about inspiration and encouragement to have real value, and most especially at this time in the history of the planet when what we want to do, what I desire to do, is to use words in a way that uh, uplift people and call forth the better angels of their nature. We can all so easily descend into the negative and become marvelous critics. Like many years ago, uh, when I was working with words, I, I received a message that said, within that said, do you want to um, show how clever you are by discovering all this negativity, or do you want to see what you can find that is positive? And so I started moving in that more positive direction with the intention of, of, of upliftment and discovering, mm. uh, recognizing that we are gods on earth. And, well, well Petra, one of the one of the discoveries, I mean, the, this dimension never looked real to me, and I've thought about it as backward land. And I think about when I'm in a tall building or, you know, a low-flying airplane, and you see that we're these tiny, tiny little beings in this tiny toy world making much ado about nothing and creating so much chaos, and yet we know that we have the power 
of the divine within us. And and one of the words I discovered, many, many words, I mean, there's so many words, it's just so fascinating and exciting, but um, I found, I came across once the word omnipotent, um, O-M-N-I-F-I-C-E-N-T, omnipotent. And people generally know omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, omnipresent, present everywhere, and omniscient, all-knowing. And, and we associate these words with a power greater than that which we can personally access most of the time. But the word omnipotent applies to all of us, and yet it's, I've never met anyone who knows it. And what it means is possessing full creative power. So mm. we are all omnipotent. And, and we can beautiful. use that creative power in a really beautiful way to uplift ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the debate on Sunday? No, I watched a few excerpts on, online. Did you uh, see the gentleman, the last question by the gentleman who asked... Um, for each of the candidates to say something positive about the other? I heard about that, but no, I did not see that. It, 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 it somehow brings me to that thought right now as you're speaking is uh, the power of elevating others through words by saying something positive and therefore bringing healing about. And that brings yes. me to an, a Hawaiian family therapy called Ho'oponopono, I don't know yes. if you've ever heard of that, but yes, it is I so powerful. When when we are when we are encountering aberrant or or difficult energy outside of us, and we then clear it within ourselves because it is us it is in us that is the the reaction comes from within us. It's not that someone else is doing something. We can only be in that time and space to encounter that because somewhere within us there is still that peace that needs to be healed. That's so beautiful. Absolutely. And and to recognize that all our words can be healing words and exactly. taking responsibility for whatever we're seeing in our environment rather than condemning it and making it wrong. I mean, don't we all have our own inner Trump and inner Hillary? Don't you, I find personally, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you've encountered this too, that no sooner do I judge someone for something than I turn around and see that I've just done that very thing myself. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and it's so powerful when we become aware of this in ourselves and we learn that none of us are exempt. You know, we all have our good and bad days, our yes. dark and bad days. It's easy when you're sitting on top of a mountain in an ashram and you're getting uh, food delivered to you every day and you don't have to think about bills and you don't have to think about stress and you're meditating every day. It's easy to have enlightenment. Yes. Yes, but when you're living in the world where you're constantly being bombarded with different words, I mean, not just the language and the sound of the words that are coming at us 
it's such a rapid rate. But what else is coming at us? You know, yes. the magnetic fields are off. Everything is off in our universe. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty tough uh, time uh, to be here right now, and yet it is also one of the most magical times to be here on yes. this earth. And and yes. I love what is the earth being the heart of the galaxy. I think that is just so beautiful, and I I got a, such a clear picture right there and then when you said that, that that is really what this earth is. It's such a beautiful, beautiful planet. And well, we it have is, to take care of we, it. Absolutely. And I think we come here to learn love. And we talk about getting ahead, but we're already so far of our, ahead of ourselves technologically than our level of wisdom for guiding our discoveries that clearly we don't need to get ahead. Uh, and there's, you know, the idea of a human race as if we're all in this deadly competition. But what we're really meant to do is to get a heart full of love for all of creation and to recognize that we are in, excuse me, <laughs> we're, we're all reflections of each other. And there's no way that I can... Um, do harm to someone without it impacting me negatively. And similarly, there's no way for me to do a kindness without it impacting me positively. So we're all like cells Mm -hmm. in a body. And uh, for one set of cells to try and dominate all the others, that's cancer. And that destroys everything. And so this Mm -hmm. is really a time for us to wake up from the hypnosis that's in the language and from all of the all of the false beliefs that have kept us from remembering that who we are, we have the power of all creation in the consciousness we hold and on the tip of every tongue. And that we can start getting more proactive with the language itself, with becoming creative with language and and speaking, well, Rumi said, speak a new language and the world will be a new world. Mm -hmm. This this idea, this idea uh, of that is... Uh, it's old. It's not. Um, it's not a new idea that I came up with. It's something that I uh, stumbled upon and then found uh, corroboration for. That we can mm-hmm. use our words to create beauty and human kindness that uplifts our own lives, cell by cell and self by self, uh, with all the people around us. Mhm, mhm. Well, you're very aware of uh, Dr. Emoto's work with the water crystals, yes. where he took yes. uh, this very, very polluted water from the Kuriyama Dam and put it in a container and then froze it, and then had uh, Tibetan monks pray over it, the Buddhist monks pray over it. And then first they looked at the water when it was just uh, taken from the dam under the microscope, a very powerful microscope, and the crystals looked distorted and yellowish, uh, sort of a dirty, slimy yellow. And then after they froze it and the monks prayed over the water, the crystals turned into these beautiful formations, uh, just absolutely white and, and just phenomenally beautiful. And so I I love that example of how 
through words, we can change the vibration of our food. We can change the vibration in our environment. We can affect people. We can affect animals. We can affect plants. We know that plants respond to sound and music and that there have been so many tests done with classical music being played to plants that grow twice as big or the project in Scotland called Findhorn where people pray and play music and the plants are five times the size of their cucumbers are way bigger and they're not using anything special. They're just using different vibrations. <laughs> so yes. what's going on? So we can influence our 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 world and I feel for people who are in um in abusive relationships where perhaps they're not being hurt physically, but they're being uh, spoken to with harshness. And that is uh, so extremely damaging. And, you know, it, I, just, I just really believe that uh, word magic needs to come into the schools and help uh, little children that are out there that are perhaps not in a positive environment right now to offset some of that so we could do a lot of healing. So I have all kinds of ideas for you, Laurel. <laughs> well, good, Petra. Let's, let's get together and, and explore them. And, and what you're saying is so uh, true. The Russian, uh, Russian experiments have even found that words affect DNA. So mm-hmm. by speaking to ourselves in positive ways and by discovering, um, you know, I've uncovered quite a few words, but there's so many other words that have these double meanings for us and, and stories. And what this conversation, of course, is just beginning to um, scratch the surface. Um, what happens when we start getting creative with language, holding the intention of using the power of words and our consciousness to heal and uplift. And I want to read a, a statement to you, um, and, and, you can, and then I'll tell you who it's from. It says, new circumstances call for new words, new phrases, and the transfer of old words to new objects. And the source of that statement is Thomas Jefferson. Mm. So here, here we are at this moment in the history of our country when our democracy has become a cacistocracy, and we may feel so powerless in the face of that, and yet all our, our foundational myths are about the power of the word and all of us have that power on the tip of our tongue and we can start getting very creative with our words to uh, heal and uplift our own bodies since words affect DNA and to start turning the tide on the global sea of consciousness. So Beautiful. That, that's that's what's present here and available to us all. Oh, it's it is so true. It is so true, and it is available to all of us on this planet. And yes. um, I'm I'm just so happy that I met you, Laurel, and that you have Thank this you. incredible gift to share with everyone. It is an it is a complete honor to Thank know you, Thank you, Petra. 
Thank you. Mm -hmm. I so appreciate your love and your support and the gifts that you yourself are making available to the world through your book, your Patriot's Ashes, through your radio show and your ongoing plans to, you know, participate to help uplift consciousness on the planet. So I'm, I'm grateful to you for this opportunity. If you have listeners who are uh, in the Portland area, I'm sharing word magic in person at the Sacred Money Studios this Saturday at 7 p.m. in Multnomah Village. And people can go to my website, wordmagicglobal.com, and um, press the upcoming events button and get the details for that. And uh, now uh, you also have, did you already mention this, Laurel? You have your own website, laurelerica.com, and also wordmagicglobal.com, correct? Yes. Yes, and they yeah, both link yeah. to each other. So okay. uh, laurelerica.com is the writing, editing, and communications consultation work that I do for my clients around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bookshop where you're giving your talk, and that's this weekend? Yes, that's this Saturday. This, this, and I'm, I'm this at, Saturday. at 7 p.m. And then... On Sunday from 1 to 3 at the same location, Sacred Money Studios and Prosperity Pie Shop in Multnomah Village, Uh, from 1 to 3 on Sunday, I'm following the evening talk on Saturday with a workshop in which we are going to use words to write new life sentences for ourselves, new vision statements that can insulate us from the slings and arrows of outrageous foes, as Shakespeare has said, and give us a compass for moving through the world in ways that are uplifting to our own hearts, fulfilling of our vision, our reason for being, and supportive of everyone else we meet in the world. Oh, thank you so much, Laurel, for sharing your word magic and for being on the show today. I really uh, love what you do and and I hope we will have an opportunity to meet up very soon. And I wish you you a great day. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And for those of you out there... Thank you. Love you too. Uh, For those of you out there, listeners, I have um, a... Very exciting announcement. We're doing a webinar that's nine weeks. It's called The Secret to Quantum Transformation. It came about 10 years ago when I uh, lost somebody very dear to me and I threw myself into word magic to keep my sanity at the time. I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you have... uh, been in moments where you felt uh, perhaps that the ceiling was falling on you or where the earth swallowed you up and you have to somehow distract yourself to come out and in that time, during that time I wrote The Secret to Quantum Transformation, The Seven Insights and during this uh, webinar during this nine week course we're going to talk about gratitude, we're going to cover gratitude and partnership, we're going to talk about vision, how we can set vision for our life, 
how the law of giving and receiving is on the same spectrum. We're going to speak about paradigms. Paradigms are important because sometimes we are caught up in a paradigm and we need to uh, move through it or identify it in order to change things in our lives. And we will speak about accountability. The workshop will also have, during those nine weeks, some uh, Reichian modalities. Of those of you that are familiar with William Reich's work, very powerful. Uh, Sacred Contracts, Carolyn Mace and Carl Gustav Jung's work that I love. And I hope you can join me. Um, It will be posted on my website soon. Right now it's on the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com forward slash transformational story coach. And, oh, yes, very exciting, the posters for Petra's Ashes. So many of you have asked me to order posters, and they are here now. So if you would like posters, you can go to my website at petronicole.com and uh, sign in to download your free MP3 of the emotional processing meditation, emotional energy technique uh, for you as a gift. And again, I want to thank you all for joining me here today. This was an amazing interview. I just love word magic and uh, want to uh, become more conscious about words that I use on a daily basis and find out what all the frequencies are. So uh, for those of you available this weekend, please uh, go see Laurel, Erica, her performance and her speech is amazing. You will so enjoy it and she's very, very entertaining and a lovely, lovely being. So thank you for being here with us and have a marvelous afternoon. Arrivederci.